The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Buzz Burbank, news and comment. March 23rd, 2017. Thank you very much for listening and for shopping through my Amazon links at buzzburbank.com. All is not lost. I don't mean to ever give the impression that things are hopeless, frightening as the news can be, and it truly is right now. There's real hope out there. First and foremost, there's we the people. Never have so many people turned out at town hall meetings and written and called their senators and representatives. Never have so many people taken part in peaceful, unplanned protests as they did at the airports after the first Muslim ban. Never have so many people filed this early to be candidates in next year's midterm congressional election. Never have so many journalists had the courage to call an American president a liar. And never have so many journalists been so serious about their jobs. And investigations to get to the bottom of what's happening are underway. So there's even hope, I swear there is, in Washington. In San Antonio, Republican Congressman Will Hurd needed to get back to D.C. for an important vote. Democratic Congressman Beto O'Rourke also needed to be there. But they were both stuck deep in the heart of Texas because of a mass cancellation of airline flights because of last week's last blast of winter along the East Coast. And there was only one rental car available in the area. So they ride-shared for 36 hours all the way to Washington. It sounds like the makings of a sitcom. Two strangers opposing lawmakers trapped in a car together with no buffers, no TV moderators, and no Speaker of the House. You can only agree on the virtues of donuts for so long before the talk turns to, say, healthcare policy. So they went live on Facebook and discussed the issues, not only with themselves, but with people online. Among the first-time callers, House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who promised to keep a parking spot open for that rental car once it arrived. The two lawmakers could make it in time for that vote. And they did make it on time, with 30 minutes to spare. And they arrived a lot wiser. This unlikely duo learned a lot on their trip. They say that after only being acquaintances, they are now genuine friends. They're thinking about putting their families together at Thanksgiving. Would I have the courage to do that with my family? Would you? Congressman Will Hurd and Beto O'Rourke say they not only learned a lot about each other, but learned they agree on things nearly as often as they disagree. Who knew you could learn something useful from a couple of congressmen? In a Facebook discussion the other day, it became clear some of us would never agree on certain things, but that we did agree on much. And then it was proposed that we remember what we once understood, that in a democracy, not even the majority gets everything it wants if it wants to get anything done and make policy that the other side can at least live with. I get some of what I want, and in exchange, you get something you want, which is how policy used to be made in this country. And maybe Congressman Hurd and O'Rourke could give us a refresher course. In the meantime, unfortunately, we have to discuss not only policy, but who's making that policy and what their actual motivations are. Even as we ponder health care again and immigration and North Korea and climate change and other issues, we're also pondering the lifetime appointment of a Supreme Court justice nominated by a president who's part of a counterintelligence investigation by the FBI for possible collusion with Russia. The FBI is investigating whether the Trump campaign was in cahoots with Russia's meddling in our election process and has been since July. 
FBI Director James Comey appeared on Capitol Hill this week to say for the first time that there is such an investigation, and he expressed regret he hadn't mentioned it before Election Day as he did with the Clinton emails. Comey revealed that investigation's been on since July of last year, at least three months before the election. But even this week, he said he couldn't share any of the details yet, but he did mention a possible motive on Russia's part. Quoting Comey, Putin hated Secretary Clinton so much, he had a clear preference for the person running against Secretary Clinton. And while Comey wouldn't name names, the Trump White House let it slip this week that at least one person currently serving in that administration is under investigation, and it's further distancing itself from Mike Flynn and others. More about how Russia appears to have attacked the U.S. in a moment. The FBI is also investigating Trump's claim that President Obama ordered electronic surveillance of Trump Tower during the campaign. Director Comey says the Bureau has found absolutely no evidence to support Trump's claim. In fact, Comey says he was authorized to speak for the entire Justice Department and all of its other agencies in saying no evidence of Trump's outrageous claim has been found. Trump's Attorney General Jeff Sessions is not involved in this investigation. He had to recuse himself from the case after it was revealed that he was among the shocking number of Trump associates who had met with the Russian ambassador during the campaign. And Comey's testimony was backed up by National Security Director Admiral Mike Rogers, who says the NSA couldn't find any evidence to back up Trump's claim either. The leaders of the House and Senate intelligence agencies, Republican and Democrat, say they have seen no evidence whatsoever that Obama ordered wiretaps of any kind or any other kind of surveillance. Quoting Republican Congressman Devin Nunes, I don't think there was an actual tap of Trump Tower. But later, Nunes would hold a private meeting with Trump to tip him off to some of what had been found, which prompted the lead Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee to call for an independent investigation. California's Adam Schiff says Nunes has to decide whether he works for the bipartisan investigation of the president's ties to Russia or whether he works instead for the president as he did during the campaign. Schiff, meanwhile, says there is now actual evidence, not circumstantial, but actual evidence that members of the Trump transition team coordinated Clinton's email leaks with Russian officials. Trump, in typical fashion, is doubling down instead of backing down on this thing he heard someone mention on Fox News. The claim was so false, Fox pulled that commentator off the air. But Trump tweeted, in typical fashion, that all of this is, quote, fake news and everyone knows it. But then Trump tweeted, in typical fashion, his own fake news, that former National Intelligence Director James Clapper and others, quote, stated that there is no evidence with Russia. That is not what Clapper said, not even close. What Clapper said earlier this month was that no wiretaps were ordered or planted in Trump Tower. That was back when Trump's claim was wiretapping, a claim that, once it was not believed, was expanded to include any form of electronic surveillance. Clapper had said nothing about Russia, but this is a president who got elected for going on his gut instead of the facts. At one point, the Trump White House pointed the finger at our biggest and most important ally, Great Britain. White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer, reading aloud to reporters from a right-wing publication, proposed that Obama had asked British intelligence to wiretap Trump Tower and that Britain had done just that. The British government, surprised to hear its most important ally had just thrown it under the bus, called that claim nonsense, rubbish, and shameful. 
Our thoughts this morning, by the way, are with Britain, where a terrorist killed four people and wounded 40 others yesterday in a vehicle attack on Parliament while it was in session. The British-born attacker, not an immigrant, was also killed by police. Although officials said he'd apparently acted alone, eight people were arrested in six overnight raids by British authorities. But Britain wasn't the only country or even the only ally Trump offended this past week, making Germany's Angela Merkel visibly uncomfortable when he referenced recent U.S. wiretapping of her cell phone and before that refusing to shake her hand at a photo op. And Secretary of State Rex Tillerson also offended all of our European allies by announcing he would not be attending the NATO meeting next month, as secretaries of state normally do, since the U.S. is the head of NATO. Our European allies have been snubbed, especially considering Tillerson plans to visit Russia next month instead, and probably not to return his friendship medal to Vladimir Putin. Trump's Secretary of State also got a rise out of North Korea and China, where he spoke of a military first strike as one American option to get North Korea to back down. We'll get to the latest on North Korea and China in a moment. Democrats and liberals are fighting Trump's plan to appoint a conservative to a lifetime of service on the U.S. Supreme Court, a younger judge who will likely be there for decades, and one who's already been unanimously approved as a federal judge. But Democrats and liberals, despite their accusations of bias, the stacks of petitions and their bitterness over not even getting a hearing for the guy Obama nominated, Democrats and liberals are likely to lose this one, too. Even Trump nominee Neil Gorsuch has made the Democrats' goal hard to sell to the public by claiming to be neutral despite his record of rulings that favor corporations over people and so-called religious rights over discrimination protection. He even wowed Democrats by slamming Trump's comments about so-called judges. Gorsuch, despite deep concerns about his views, was charming. And Gorsuch says Trump never asked how he'd rule on abortion and that if Trump had asked, he would have walked out of their meeting. Gorsuch promised not to turn back the clock on LGBT rights. He says all the right things at all the right times, even as Gorsuch managed to avoid commenting on anything Trump promised that his appointee would deliver on guns, abortion, and more. But the whole debate may be moot since Republicans say that after refusing to even give Obama's nominee a hearing, they plan to ram Gorsuch through by invoking the so-called nuclear rule that could get Gorsuch confirmed on a simple majority vote instead of the usual 60-vote minimum. And all of this while the man who nominated him is under FBI investigation for possible collusion with Russia. Last year, Republicans refused to consider Obama's nomination since Obama had only over a year left in his presidency. But this nomination's moving forward, even though this president's under investigation, something the country could not afford, according to Republicans before the election, explaining why an FBI investigation was enough to keep Clinton out of office. North Korea did again this week what North Korea does, fire something into the air it plans to use against the U.S. and or U.S. troops and or U.S. allies. But this time was different. This time, Kim Jong-un says was a great leap forward, and this time, it's not hyperbole. Our ally South Korea says North Korea's come a long way on its rocket technology just in the last six months. That leaves just one step for the North to make its intercontinental ballistic missiles fall in the intended places, and that, says one expert, is likely their next test. In nearby Japan, now easily within range of North Korea, 
They staged the Japanese for the first time ever an evacuation drill in one especially vulnerable city. Japan's tried intercepting the missiles. North Korea has test-fired into Japanese fishing waters, but with no success so far. So they staged this drill in the Japanese city of Oga, in which the participants had only minutes to get to a shelter. Trump's Secretary of State Rex Tillerson says a preemptive military strike on North Korea by the U.S. is not off the table. In fact, in Tokyo, Tillerson said it was time for a different approach, that 20 years of diplomatic efforts haven't worked. He criticized past policies he described as strategic patience, so he confirmed U.S. military action as an active option. This did not go over well in Beijing, naturally. China is urging the U.S. to chill, to take a cool-headed approach. China says the situation must not escalate because that situation is at a crossroads. Tillerson agrees the tension between the U.S. and North Korea is at a dangerous level, and Tillerson says he'd like the Chinese to do more to stop the provocations from North Korea. And all of this occurs as the U.S. sets up a powerful radar and missile launch system called THAAD in South Korea. The Chinese are unhappy about a system so close and so powerful it can track military movement inside China's borders and within range of U.S. missiles. The new radar should be up any day now. And all of this just further provokes North Korea. In response to Tillerson's military option remark, North Korea said it has nukes and is ready to use them. And even if that last part is an exaggeration, the North says it is prepared for any war with the United States. Trump's only comments on the subject are that North Korea and Kim Jong-un are, quote, behaving very badly. Since all that, in the last 24 hours, North Korea launched another mid-range ballistic missile, but it exploded within seconds of liftoff, so North Korea is still working out some bugs. Also within the last 24 hours, the U.S. deployed a supersonic bomber jet during our joint exercises with the South Korean military. It is those exercises that have North Korea especially eager now to fire more missiles. And hanging over all of this is the cloud of Russian influence. It's a very real concern, and not just for Democrats, but for all Americans who don't want our political process co-opted by Russia. In February of last year, a close aide to Vladimir Putin told a Russian tech conference that Russia now has a weapon of information technology that will erase U.S. dominance in much the same way Russia's 1949 atomic bomb put it on a more even plane with the U.S., which had deployed atomic bombs four years before that. U.S. intelligence says that in the following month of last year, in March, Russia began stealing data from the computers of the Democratic National Committee. In April and May... Robotic computer programs based in Macedonia and Albania began to spew out millions of tweets and Facebook posts extolling Trump and accusing Clinton of murdering her political enemies and running a child sex ring out of a Washington, D.C. pizza parlor and the bookstore across the street from it and other fake news. The week before the election, there were 20 million tweets about the election and 20% of those were from bots instead of actual people. Nearly all of the bot tweets pro-Trump or anti-Clinton. And it wasn't just during the election. Russia's made it clear this kind of attack is how it plans to proceed in the world, using these techniques on both the U.S. and European countries. A Russian general says four-fifths of Russia's military operations going forward will use information technology instead of conventional weapons. A Russian military newsletter agrees. 
To this day, the Facebook page Bernie Sanders Lovers is still up, even though it's based in Albania. This is not wild speculation. There are credible reports that these bots and fake news are also the target of the FBI's investigation, along with the stealing of online documents and evidence that right-wing websites helped the fake news effort, including Breitbart, which was run by Trump advisor Steve Bannon. And the Intelligence Committee appears to be ready to call Paul Manafort to testify. He must believe that since Manafort's just hired a public relations firm that specializes in crisis management. Manafort launched the Trump campaign and was its manager for about six months after having consulted Vladimir Putin on how to deal with his political enemies. It was shortly after Manafort's arrival that Trump began criticizing NATO, another organization detested by Vladimir Putin. And it was a short time after that that the Trump campaign made its only priority at the Republican convention, the dropping of the anti-Russia language from the party's platform. Manafort was forced out as Trump's campaign manager after his Russian connection started to come to light. And the man who got Manafort the job in the first place, longtime Trump friend Roger Stone, admits he was in touch with WikiLeaks at a time that we know WikiLeaks was also in touch with Russia. Now the Treasury Department says it's been investigating Manafort's offshore bank accounts, and the Associated Press has learned that Manafort was paid $10 million a year to promote Russian interests in the U.S. That means at the time, Manafort was acting as a foreign agent, which is perfectly legal unless you fail to register as such, which he didn't, in which case it's a federal felony. As I said weeks ago, this is not about Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal. This is about the distinct possibility that an American candidate eager to get elected conspired with the Russian government, which has made clear its plans to make a mess in the U.S. And so far, the part we know about for sure is working. The latest on health care, the Muslim ban, the military sex scandal, and more after this. A smooth, clean shave from a blade that glides like butter and comes right to my door at half the cost of the big name brands. That's what I love about shaving with products from Harry's. From the hefty, balanced handle that fits your hand to the precision-engineered five-blade cartridges that come with a lubricating strip, a trimmer blade, and a travel cover, and Harry's rich, lathering shave gel. It all started when Harry's founders Jeff and Andy got tired of getting ripped off on blade prices. One big company in particular jacked their prices again and again and made a fortune while we all spent a fortune. Jeff and Andy quickly discovered the problem, the middleman. So they bought their own factory, one that's been making blades for over 100 years so they can ship top quality blades directly to you. The result? Quality products at your door for half of what you've been paying. And that's the Harry story. Become part of it. Go to harrys.com right now to try their new shave set free of charge. You, you just pay the shipping. Sign up at harrys.com slash R-E-L-M. And because you're a loyal listener to this newscast, Harry's will even throw in a free post-shave balm. But only if you log on to harrys.com slash R-E-L-M. Only about one in three of us support the Republican repeal and replace bill that was expected to come up for a vote in the House today, despite its being on shaky ground. 54% of us oppose it. More than half the country say, fix it, don't replace it. Over two-thirds of us oppose the Republican plan because it's too different from Obamacare. Everyone in this poll is a registered voter, and more than 90% of the people polled have health insurance. And the poll was commissioned by Fox News. 
I want people to know Obamacare is dead, said Trump. But it appears to be the Republican plan that's dead. There was talk of postponing what Trump and Republican leaders considered their best chance at repeal and replace, and House Speaker Paul Ryan has that delay option. But White House spokesman Sean Spicer said there is no plan B and that the vote should proceed. If that happens, the Republican plan goes down in flames to the embarrassment of both the party and the president. In addition to every single Democrat in Congress, 31 Republicans had planned to vote no on that new bill, and that's 10 more votes than Republican leaders can afford to lose. And the conservative lawmakers who say the replacement bill is still too much like Obamacare are being offered extra incentive now from the Koch brothers who say they'll offer generous 2018 campaign cash to Republicans who vote no. There was talk of a last-minute deal to please conservative lawmakers, but the details of that would cause moderate Republicans to walk away. By the way, that Fox poll also found Trump's approval rating down five points in the past month. A Gallup poll paints an even uglier picture for Trump, finding nearly 60% disapproval rating, 58% to be exact. His approval rating, the percentage of voters who still like Trump, is down to 37%, the lowest approval rating in presidential history. Some 7 million people with past due student loans can now once again be charged for interest at rates of up to 16%. The Obama administration had compelled college lenders to stop charging outrageous interest rates on those delinquent loans. The Trump administration has reversed that. So it's back to the old way, back to a top limit of 16%. And no longer will people who default be enrolled in a financial rehabilitation program to help them clean up their messes. The 7 million people no longer getting government protection from outrageous interest rates have an average student loan debt of about $30,000. Donald Trump is focused on jobs, and if that means further damaging the environment, so be it. In Detroit last week, Trump said if the choice is carbon emissions or jobs for Americans, he'll take the jobs. He talked about doing away with the goal set by Obama that would require an average mileage of nearly 55 miles per gallon within the next eight years. That would sharply reduce the carbon given off by the burning of fossil fuels, which would greatly reduce our impact on the atmosphere that protects us from the sun. Scientists agree the health of Americans and the planet relies on such drastic reductions in carbon fuels. And the public agrees. The Gallup poll shows that nearly 6 in 10 of us think protecting the environment is more important than to keep using fossil fuels. More than 7 in 10 of us think the U.S. should focus on alternative energy. But Trump is focused on creating factory jobs on his watch, a goal that would be admirable if it wasn't a short-term win versus a long-term loss. Trump wants jobs now at any cost. Do you like those bright yellow Energy Star stickers you see on new appliances that tell you what it'll cost you to run the thing? Well, that handy shopping tool may soon be gone, along with a lot of other government programs. The wheels come off Meals on Wheels with the Trump budget, and no more free lunches for needy students. The effort to clean up the Chesapeake Bay, that's history, too, under the Trump budget. The agency that coordinates the government's efforts to fight homelessness is now without a home. Although millions of people would be hurt by these cuts, which together make up only a small, in fact, a tiny percentage of the budget, the White House budget director says the proposal is compassionate to taxpayers. The National Endowment for the Arts is also just a memory under the Trump budget. 
to pay for his $54 billion increase in war spending, Trump is cutting throughout government, including one-third budget cuts at the EPA and the State Department, whose duties include keeping us out of war. Even many Republicans who've dreamed of a day such as this are appalled at the depth and severity of Trump's cuts as presidential advisor Steve Bannon carries out his plan to dismantle what he calls the administrative state. Quoting Florida's Marco Rubio, we do the budget, Congress does budgets, the administration's budget isn't going to be the budget. Others have described Trump's budget as dead on arrival. Even what Trump calls a watered-down version of his first Muslim travel ban didn't make it through the courts, and for the same reason, the first ban was struck down. Because as Trump himself admitted, it's basically the same plan, the same ban he promised during the campaign, which he then called a Muslim ban, although his administration avoids using that phrase now. It started this time with a federal judge in Hawaii who ruled Trump's order fundamentally flawed. Trump would soon after call the ruling unprecedented judicial overreach. But a judge in Maryland also weighed in, also ruling to block Trump's second ban. Trump asked the Hawaii judge for clarification. The judge refused. Trump was furious, vowing to take it to a Supreme Court that may already lean in his favor and may soon lean his way even more. But there was yet another blow to Trump's war on immigrants. A CNN poll showing that three out of five Americans think undocumented immigrants should be allowed to stay in the U.S. if they have jobs that allow them to become legal residents. The poll showed the number one priority of the public is a policy that allows employed undocumented immigrants to get that legal status, while only 26% agree with Trump that we should stop immigrants at the border. From our I Thought You Ought to Know department, first daughter Ivanka Trump is getting an office in the West Wing of the White House, even though she is not and will not be a government employee. Ivanka, who still hawks jewelry and fashions and will be flogging a new book this spring, will also have national security clearance. She will serve as an advisor to dad and will reportedly be his, quote, eyes and ears. She will also pursue her concerns, including issues related to women in business. Ivanka's reportedly voluntarily agreed to the same ethics requirements of a federal employee and presumably could just as voluntarily decide not to abide. And Ivanka's brand is already the target of a lawsuit from a San Francisco clothing company accusing her of unfair competition, specifically using the power and prestige of the White House for personal gain. Kellyanne Conway's husband, meanwhile, just got a job in the Justice Department. That's from our I Thought You Ought to Know department. There's a new kind of cyber crime out there, one that can physically hurt people. We've seen this coming, and now it's here. In Texas, Kurt Eichenwald, a senior writer for Newsweek and Vanity Fair, went into a seizure after seeing a tweet. It was a flashing image flashing at just the right rate to induce an epileptic seizure, and that's exactly what the sender intended, writing, you deserve a seizure for your post. Three months later, the FBI had the tweeter in custody, 29-year-old John Ravello of Salisbury, Maryland, now facing federal charges as well as local assault charges. The feds also found in Ravello's iCloud a list of commonly reported seizure triggers and a Wikipedia page saying that Eichenwald died on December 16th, although Eichenwald is still very much alive. And Ravello wasn't alone. Eichenwald says the FBI is investigating over 40 other people who also sent strobing images, sometimes images of a strobe light itself set to a seizure-inducing frequency. 
Like Ravello, some of the others actually wrote, I know he has epilepsy. I hope this sends him into a seizure. And the world kept changing. The military's nude photo scandal is not just for heterosexuals anymore. There are also photos of men. On Tumblr, there are photos of Marines, usually engaged in a sex act, and sometimes while partially in uniform or in a military setting. NCIS has dozens of investigators scouting gay porn blogs and websites. Military law has been broken, either by a soldier who posed or by the soldier who took the photo without the subject's knowledge. The Pentagon, again, isn't looking at just the Marines, but also nude photos of men in the other armed forces. Hundreds of military men and some women are now facing discipline for taking part in web pages that exploited photos of nude women. One Facebook group had over 30,000 members. About 1,200 Marines associated with the photos have been identified so far, and 500 of them are in the hot seat for posting photos. Spring break tips, Uber news, Omar's movie preview, and a case of accidental goodwill in the third and final segment up next. With everything going on, it's easy to forget stuff, including birthdays and anniversaries. Was it your sister this time? Your mom? Your spouse? With ProFlowers.com, you can schedule their gift ahead of time, any date you wish, and get back to your life. It's a special gift of beauty right to their door without costing a fortune. And with ProFlowers, it's always a perfect gift. Guaranteed fresh for seven days or your money back, and they're not kidding. I've used ProFlowers time and again, and they never let me or her down. She's always delighted when that box from ProFlowers arrives at her door. And right now, because you listen to this report, you can save 10 bucks on any order of $29 or more if you enter the code REALM when you check out at ProFlowers.com. Flowers for as little as 19 bucks when you use the checkout code R-E-L-M. But that $10 off also applies to a range of flowers and plants, including a dozen red roses or their famous 100 Blooms bouquet. And if you do forget a birthday or anniversary or forget just about anything... Say I'm sorry and save 10 bucks and power this show with the code R-E-L-M at ProFlowers.com. Thank you for supporting my sponsors and for supporting this free news through the PayPal button at BuzzBurbank.com. The government has placed the bumblebee on the endangered species list. The bumblebee population has fallen 90% over the past 20 years from pollution and a shrunken habitat. One out of every three bites of food we eat was pollinated by bees. The founder of Uber is in over his head. Even bombastic co-founder Travis Kalanick admits he needs help with managing the valuable app he created with Garrett Camp nearly six years ago. Kalanick had hired a former Target executive, Jeff Jones, to be his number two. But Jones ran into complaints from drivers and customers. Things were worse than Jones expected. There were sex discrimination charges, a litany of internal problems, and even a short customer boycott after Kalanick agreed to serve on an advisory council to Trump. Kalanick, who, like Trump, hates the free press, has since resigned from that advisory council. But in recent weeks, Uber was accused of profiteering during a cab driver boycott of New York City airports inspired by Trump's Muslim ban. And in recent months, a string of executives have resigned from Uber, there are job opportunities right now at Uber, and not just for drivers. 
The Disney Empire has been forced to pay nearly $4 million in back wages to employees at the company's resorts in Florida. The Labor Department says the back pay will go to about 16,000 past and present Disney employees. Disney had been charging employees a uniform fee that took some of those employees to below the minimum wage. And Disney was asking workers to perform certain work-related tasks off the clock. Sadly, neither of these practices is unusual, but both are illegal. 700 of the workers getting back pay worked at a Disney property called the Old Key West Resort, the other 15,000 at Florida's other Disney parks. Attention spring breakers. It'll be crowded on the plane and at the airports. Despite the airport hassles, more people are flying on U.S.-based airlines. Lower fares, thanks to lower fuel prices and more non-stop flights, mean 145 million of us are flying between March 1st and April 30th. Air travel's growing in popularity so much the airlines are adding 110,000 seats a day to handle the 89,000 additional passengers. The airlines have added 350 new planes this year and signed up for 1,400 more new planes. A trade group says ridership is up by 4% over last year. Over the past two years, it's increased by more than 7%. See you at the airport. And another spring break tip. Peeing on your jellyfish sting is not the way to go. Despite what you've heard, urine actually causes the tentacles to release more venom, which makes the sting worse. And this is important if you step into a part of the ocean that has box jellyfish. Their stings kill dozens of swimmers every year and put hundreds of others into hospitals. Jellyfish are, by the numbers, more deadly than sharks. Another common treatment for a sting is also bad medicine. That method involves washing the sting with seawater, scraping off the tentacles, and applying ice. New testing shows that will definitely make it worse. So what does work? Navy SEALs use a product called Sting No More, but you'd also do well with a vinegar rinse and then removing the tentacles with tweezers. You may want to pack vinegar in your beach bag if you're headed for jellyfish-infested waters. Passings and passages. Gone this past week are rock and roll founding father Chuck Berry, game show whiz Chuck Barris, and ballsy columnist Jimmy Breslin. Chuck Barris, who created the newlywed game and the dating game, as well as the gong show, has died at the age of 87. He'd said he'd like something about being gonged on his headstone. Barris also wrote the 1962 hit song Palisades Park, recorded by Freddie Cannon. Barris died at his home in Palisades, New York. Chuck Berry died at 90 in his home in Missouri. Berry was a major influence on a young Elvis Presley who borrowed much of Berry's style and stage presence, but only Berry could master the duck walk. John Lennon said Chuck Berry defined rock and roll. Keith Richards said of Berry, I've stolen every lick he ever played. Jerry Lee Lewis says his mama told him that he and Elvis were pretty good, but, quote, you're no Chuck Berry. Berry kept performing every month right up to the end at a local bar. And Jimmy Breslin died at home in New York. He was 88. He was a Pulitzer Prize-winning columnist and a best-selling author. Breslin was a man of the people. He liked short sentences. And first Roebuck, and now this. Sears has told its investors it will likely go out of business soon, closing another 150 stores, including more Kmarts, and taking out a $200 million loan to pay off its debts. 
Here's this week's movie preview from Realm Network Arts and Entertainment Editor Omar Latiri. Brought to you by Fandango. Opening this weekend, March 24th, 2017. For the art house crowd, we have four new limited release movies opening this week. First, there's Wilson, a comedy starring Woody Harrelson and Laura Dern about a lonely neurotic man who reunites with his estranged wife and meets his teenage daughter for the first time. Rated R. There's Prevenge, a British comedy horror movie about a widow who is seven months pregnant when, believing herself to be guided by her unborn baby, embarks on a a homicidal rampage dispatching anyone who gets in her way. There's also The Leveling, a family drama about a young woman who returns to her rural English farm after hearing about the sudden death of her brother after floods destroy the area. There, her and her father's relationship is put to the test. Rated R. And there's Slamma Jamma, a sports drama about a former basketball star who prepares for the national slam dunk competition while finding redemption in himself and in those he loves. Rated PG. In wide release this week, we have two movie adaptations of television shows. For millennials, there's Power Rangers, featuring a retelling of the high school kids of Angel Grove who are imbued with superpowers and try to protect the world from evil. With Elizabeth Banks as Rita Repulsa, Power Rangers is rated PG-13. For the baby boomers, there's Chips, based on the 70s series of the same name in a movie about two California Highway Patrol officers who are partnered up to investigate a major theft. Michael Peña stars as Ponch, and Dak Shepard not only stars as John, but also writes and directs this movie. Rated R. And finally, my pick for this week, Life. Starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Rebecca Ferguson, and Ryan Reynolds, this sci-fi thriller shows a team of scientists aboard the International Space Station whose mission of discovery turns to one of primal fear when they find a rapidly evolving life form that caused extinction on Mars and now threatens the crew and all life on Earth. Rated R. For Buzz Burbank News and Comment, I'm Omar Latiri. Thanks, Omar. For theaters and showtimes, previews, tickets, and so much more, and to support this free news, please use and bookmark the Fandango link you'll find at buzzburbank.com. And listen to Omar on his show, ARC, Arts Review and Commentary, right here at realmnetwork.com. A 27-year-old man named Daniel Boria wanted to promote his cleaning company in Alberta, Canada, so he decided to advertise this way. He tied 100 helium balloons to a lawn chair and took a flight over Calgary. Air safety officials were not amused, and now a judge has fined Daniel nearly $20,000 for interfering with commercial flights, putting hundreds of people in danger. But you can't keep Daniel down, quoting him, I chose to fly a chair not because it is easy, but because it is hard, using the words of John F. Kennedy. He said his stunt helped, quote, measure the best of our energies and skills. The judge called it unconscionably stupid. And finally, there's Goodwill, and then there's the gift someone left at Goodwill Industries in Monroe, Washington. Someone had donated an old beer cooler, but it wasn't stocked with beer. Instead, it contained marijuana. And not just a little, $24,000 worth. Sounds like a case of accidental goodwill. I'm Buzz Burbank. Thank you for listening. And thanks for supporting the shows and sponsors at buzzburbank.com. I'll be back next Thursday with another Buzz Burbank News and Comments. The preceding presentation was brought to you by... The Realm Network.